Welcome to Coping with Ghosting, the show that provides hope, healing, and understanding to anyone who has been ghosted. I'm Greta, and today I'm interviewing Trina Orchard. Trina is an anthropologist, author, and activist who researches sexuality, gender, and the politics of health among marginalized groups and within the context of her own life. She is currently an associate professor and undergraduate chair in the School of Health Studies at Western University in London, Ontario. Thanks for being here, Trina. It's my pleasure. Before I dive into my questions, I just want to remind everyone who's listening about the definition that I'm using for the word ghosting in this podcast. It's the practice of ending a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation, withdrawing from all communication. So if you're in an abusive situation and you have to leave the relationship without a goodbye, that's not ghosting. That's actually just self-protection. And if you're in a relationship and you've stated a boundary and the other person violates that boundary, if you need to leave, that's self-respect. That's not ghosting. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, Trina, I'd love for you to tell listeners about your experiences with being ghosted, your work, and all about your upcoming book. Sure. Well, there are lots of different ways that I've been ghosted. You know, there's not just one way. You know, sometimes I've been ghosted by people who I've just met and had a few exchanges with on a dating app, you know, haven't even met them in person, you know, the fire is there, mutual this, mutual that, okay, it's going to go great, you know, you get some anticipation, excitement, Um, at the back of my mind, I'm always though, like trying to temper that, right, because Mm -hmm. there are patterns and the ghosting is so frequent, and, you know, heartache and ups and downs are common in romance in general, right, and just meeting new people, so I think a lot of us kind of are sometimes a little bit cautious at the beginning, but it doesn't mean that you're not also excited. And then, you know, a couple hours later, boom, you know, either I'm unmatched or just Mm -hmm. will not respond. Even if sometimes, you know, they've already given me their digits or we're connecting on a different platform, not even a dating app. So made that sort of transition, which usually marks something significant, you know, some sort of first or second base or half a base or something. Um, And then I've been ghosted after having, you know, some pretty intimate experiences with people. And it's just, it's astounding. And it's so confusing. And of course, one of the worst things about ghosting is that you don't really get an answer. Right. And we typically just turn it on ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And I've been in both situations before with regards to the first I call that micro ghosting. You haven't actually met them in person yet, but you have been chatting with them and Mm -hmm. maybe you're feeling this connection. I understand. I think it's important to have some hope, but yes, it is. I have had a lot of friends be incredibly jaded about dating in general, because this happens so often on dating apps. And then regarding being intimate with somebody and then having them ghost you, that is shocking. And that just stings. So yeah. I'm right right there with you. Yeah. It's never that easy to say to someone, hey, you know what? I'm just not really feeling it. Or the ex has come back. Or 
rushed in maybe a little too soon. I'm just not sure where I'm at. You know, it's just, it always is astounding to me how difficult those simple kinds of ways of saying where you're at to someone else, how, mm-hmm. how hard they are. And it just shows that we have so much work to do, not only to talk about sex, but to talk about how we talk about sex with one another and mm-hmm. communication and just the intimacy of relationships and how difficult it is because that's one of the reasons why people ghost so often because it's easier than communicating in a verbal way. Right. And some people think it's the nicer thing to do because they're just so afraid to reject somebody to their face. Even though, interestingly enough, I don't consider it rejection. I just think that some people aren't meant to be together and it's just a redirection, if you will. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, you mentioned earlier the sting, the how it stings. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I've been often like often on dating apps for about five years. I've just tried a couple of them, primarily Bumble, Tinder. I was on Hinge for like a minute or two. But also, you know, Instagram can also double as a dating app. And like any kind of digital platform, whether you like it or not, all the people who slip into the DMs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it still hurts, right? Because we have... It, emotions and desires and interests and it can feel at the face value of it like like a rejection and then sort of moving through it and trying to think about where the other person is is coming from sometimes that feels a bit generous when you've just been kind of ghosted you know but then sometimes you come back to it and I think you know looking at the different posts that you've made and one of the reasons why I wanted to come on this podcast is that you provide a more in some ways more holistic kind of richer landscape through which to understand this complicated behavior that often gets reduced to oh I didn't like you or oh you're not playing it right or you're not you know using the right kind of platform or maybe you should have a different profile picture you know all these ways that we sort of attack each other or you know at the micro level but I really like the way that you provide a much more enhanced kind of complicated but also really kind of um, trauma-informed way of thinking and talking about this behavior that is so common so common Well, thank you so much for saying that. That means the world to me. And yeah, I think it's definitely a holistic problem. It's a societal problem. It's a global issue. I mean, this is on all levels. This has been affecting so many people and it's important for us all to take care of our mind, body, and spirits when it happens to us. Yes. And that's also really tied into, you know, the motivations for me writing my, my memoir about dating apps. You know, I started using it about five years ago and I'm an anthropologist, you know, but I was like, I am not, this is not a study. Like I'm not a digital scholar. Like I barely even knew how to do a screenshot when I began. Hello. Wow. <laughs> really, truly, like just the volume would go up. I'd be like, what the fuck? So the beginning when I started using dating, I was looking to date. I had been single for year year and a bit after an abusive relationship and Mm -hmm. relatively newly sober person it's like wow okay I guess I'm going to do this and from the moment I began doing it I just couldn't turn off my anthropological pattern seeking what does this mean kind of brain and so it was very much a process where I was wearing two hats at the same time you know a woman you know sort of pro-sex kind of woman looking to date and experience and meet as many people in person not just by you know sexting um, and then also the scholar who's interested in like what is this mean what is going on here what are the patterns how different this is from the 
good old analog days, the stone cold pickup at the bar or wherever, where first base is like you, me now, right? Like right. that. And then it's like, and it's so freaking hard to get somebody to the door to meet somebody. Now it just, the amount of labor was just astounding to me in terms of the comparison. And I began sharing some of my insights with people. And, you know, there was like a tee hee kind of giggly, of, oh, dating apps. I'm so glad I, you know, didn't have to do that. The kind of degrading kind of sort of making it feel like it's a juvenile kind of thing or you know don't take it too seriously it's like it's my life and I want to get busy and I want to meet people and like uh, I'm perplexed and interested I live in a small city like the stakes are high when someone you kind of were liking kind of dumps you because there's fewer fish in the sea when you live in a smaller city too that's a really important piece of it um, but anyways, I was fully immersed, went down the rabbit hole, let me tell you. And I just began writing about it and talking about it with more people. And the consensus was that we need more books like this. We need someone who's real, who's smart, funny, vulnerable. That's what people like, because that's what we all experience. Could yeah. you explain a little bit more about your book? Yes. So it's called Sticky, Sexy, Sad. Ooh, um, good title. I know, isn't it? Yeah, I love the title. So Sticky, Sexy, Sad, and then dot, dot, uh, Swipe Culture and the Darker Side of Dating Apps. So that cultural piece is my anthropological training. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not a research study. It is a memoir with some cultural critique and sort of analysis worked into it. And there's five main chapters. Looking at sexuality, looking at selfies, looking at um, feminism, um, looking at the design of dating apps and how that really structures our experiences. You know, it's not like these apps are just they didn't just, you know, um, burst into into the universe. They're produced by people who have specific kinds of aims. And there's a whole culture, Silicon Valley culture behind the design of dating apps, which is primarily a patriarchal culture. So it's no wonder sometimes that women are really struggling with a lot of this design, right? And it's also connected with the fact that we live in a patriarchal society. Dating apps are not removed from that. They're not this little like haha enclave. They're a direct product of the society in which we live right which is a pretty inequitable place that has really confusing ideas about what sex means and what sexual behavior including we could say ghosting you know what that means and how we should understand it and how we talk about it and how we don't talk about it how do you think dating apps contribute to ghosting well i think they contribute to ghosting in the sense that you know there's an ironic thing happening they're called dating apps but I find that a lot of the practices that they end up breeding or promoting end up really creating distance between us, right? And so one of them is, you know, things like ghosting, you know, cat, catfishing as well, perhaps breadcrumbing, those, those kinds of things. They're designed to sort of titillate from a distance and they give people a very big audience from which to, to play these kinds of behaviors, desires, uh, needs to control, or you know, a desire to engage sexually, but maybe doesn't have the courage or the expertise, or has been wounded in the past, so doesn't you know that people can't really feel like they can follow through in the physical realm. It's also you know, it's um, there's anonymity 
in dating apps, you know. Um, there are often very few kind of follow-ups and sort of security measures. You know, people can kind of be whoever they want to be, right? And for some people, that's hot and that's part of what they get off on. That's not what I'm really interested in in terms of ghosting per se. But there are like a sort of endless opportunities for people to gain access to sort of, right, if you want to call them victims or, or, you know, there's a whole range of people who are readily available on these platforms. And a lot of people use them very often, you know, so it's like, it's kind of open 24 hours a day and people, depending on what their, what their motivations are, you know, there's just, there's so many opportunities to engage people deceptively, or, you know, sometimes it can become deceptive after you realize that you might not have what it takes to get, to follow through. It's very complicated. It really is. It sets the stage for ghosting. Absolutely. I think dating apps are connected with ghosting in the sense that we don't really talk about dating in the digital context. I think we hear that, you know, don't send dick pics. Don't be an asshole. Don't be a stalker. Don't be, you know, don't just ask how how tall he is or, you know, ask, you know, I'm not going to talk to you if you don't make 200K. We get all these don't, don't, don't do's and kind of, again, they're often framed in comedic ways, but we don't really get much of a meaningful, engaged, you know, inclusive dialogue about, so how do we incorporate these digital things in our, like, fleshly, you know, way of being and our feelings and how do we do it in a way that is caring and kind, um, honest, um, those seem to be very tall, tall orders. And when we don't have those conversations, then deceptive kind of sideways kinds of things are naturally going to come to the surface more often. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, your insights are great. And one of the things I wanted to dive into today is how being ghosted is viewed in today's world. Off air, we talked about the stigmas associated with this phenomenon. And I was wondering if you could define the word stigma for the listeners. Sure. Um, So stigma refers to either a defining trait or physical appearance of someone or an associated characteristic that has been deemed or considered maladaptive or unattractive or problematic in some way. So if someone is stigmatized, they're typically seen as either behaving or looking in ways that don't jive with like the rest of the group or society. And it's seen as problematic and undesirable and sometimes dangerous. Mm -hmm. And there's also self-stigma too, when people feel negatively about themselves. Yeah, and I think, you know, sort of self-surveillance and feelings of low self-esteem or self-stigma are very much, you know, when someone is comparing themselves to the larger society. So it's how do I measure up as as an individual to the dominant markers of success or beauty or romantic pairings? That's, yeah, they're very much related. So what are some of the stigmas around being ghosted and how did this stigma originate? How did it come to be? Well, I think there's a number of different stigmas associated with ghosting, and I kind of alluded to a few of them earlier. And one of them is kind of the the basic way that a lot of dating apps are still perceived by society. You know, we know that they are, you know, almost essential or we've rendered them essential, but we still kind of view them as subpar, right? And as extraneous, as kind of like tragic, but essential, 
So when you get ghosted on something that is deemed kind of like necessary, but not that positive socially, um, it's usually seen as like there's something wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and plus this is some dating apps are often considered a game. So it's like, wow, how'd you get ghosted on a game? Like also don't take it so seriously. You know, there's that whole dialogue about don't take it so seriously, just grow a thicker skin. I think that can be really problematic because it really just turns all of this complex behavior on the individual who has been ghosted as opposed to looking at the broader context in which these behaviors as well as dating apps occur. And we tend to do that a lot with digital devices. We have a phone, we have an app, so that's what it's about, right? As opposed to the broader things that inform and produce not only the creation of these different technologies, but also how they're used and how how we have incorporated them in our lives. So those are a couple of like the stigmas associated with ghosting that I think are really, really problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even for people who met their ghost offline, a lot of people have come to me saying that, you know, I just, I don't feel comfortable sharing that I was ghosted in this relationship. I feel embarrassed. And that's because people think, oh, what's wrong with you, right? Like what's wrong with you that that person left you, especially because People who ghost can be popular. They can be well-liked or respected in society. There are ghosters in every walk of life. And so a lot of people who are ghosted just feel like, I can't share this because this person is so adored. I think in general, it's really hard for people to explain to others that the reason they're no longer in a relationship is because they were ghosted. Yeah. And I mean, ghosted is a a modern word for being dumped in a way. Right. But it has different connotations. But yeah, I mean, we have associations with ghosting are you're undesirable. Right. You are you are alone. Right. We have so many different negative connotations of being single, even though it's also celebrated. Ultimately, it is seen as an undesirable state because there is something wrong with you, which is connected with the dominant ways that we have constructed heteronormativity in the last couple hundred years. It's not the majority of society, but, you know, we've got the idea that being in the heteroculture, male and female, a couple, if you're not in that situation, which is connected often with reproduction, having children, it's like, guess what, dudes, we do not all want to have children. We do not have to have children to be a fully functioning citizen in the world, irrespective of gender. But, you know, those old patterns, they're very hard for us to shed, even though we celebrate other things in the more modern light. We are, we are peasants. We are fatalist. We are peasants. We are medieval in so many of our fears and our deep-rooted anxieties. They come from very, very old, old places. No matter how fancy and scientific we want to be, you know, there are certain kinds of knowledge that we cling to as a species for whatever reason, you know. And I think that, you know, the idea of being alone could also have older roots about maybe that's not the safest you know, set up for an individual, especially back in the day in a society, if there's a small amount of people, you kind of need a pair bond to kind of get through the world and you have kids to help on the farm. And like there were, you know, like the ways that mating and and romance, (laughs) they were very, very different and very much connected to different kinds of social and economic systems than they are now. 
but yet the lingering sort of negative stigma associated with, with being single is very much paired with ghosting. And those two really inform one another. Mm-hmm. Those are great insights. Yeah. We literally need each other to survive. And I think we, as humans, we're hardwired for connection. We fear social rejection. We're on the lookout for social exclusion and it's normal for us to want to be liked, to get the social approval we need. And then when we feel rejected, we can feel pain and shame and guilt, humiliation, embarrassment. So it, it makes sense that there's stigmas around all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why is ghosting something that shouldn't be stigmatized? Well, first of all, it happens to everybody and it has no bearing on what you look like, what you do, where you're from you know, how you use the dating app or how you spoke to the individual, if it was in a non-dating or non-digital context and ghosting can happen, you know, offline, like you've said, it's, it's really unkind. And, you know, it's very, you know, it just feels very dated as well to be so like down on us when we get ghosted, especially because it happens to millions of people a day. Right. Yeah, it this happens is all the time and for all kinds of reasons. And I mean, if you want a more compassionate, empathetic society, well, let's turn some of those narratives upside down and just be more real about things. It would just save a lot of people a lot of suffering and also generate community, which is really positive. And that's how culture evolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're not alone if you've been ghosted. Oh, yeah. No. Sucks but you're not alone. That's for sure. (laughs) And this is such an important conversation that we're having because I think it's helping to eliminate the stigma in general for anybody who's listening. So now they're more educated and aware about this. Are there other ways that we can help eliminate the stigma around being ghosted? Well, I think like doing what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. your, your podcast and your Instagram and, th- you know, it's specifically about ghosting, right? Obviously it's tied with all these other things that we're talking about, which is great. But I think having more spaces where ghosting is given a priority, mm-hmm. right? And also inviting, you know, people who have ghosted or the ghosties or which I kind of get those terms mixed up, but, you know, people who ghost and people who have been ghosted, mm-hmm. you know, if there are ways to engage the different sides of this complicated equation you know, and just offer more open, safe forums about it, I think it would reduce how prominent it is. Mm -hmm. And also just bring it more into the light. So it's not seen as such a shameful, embarrassing individual kind of fault, right? Just talk about it. We need to talk about it. We need to talk about it, (laughs) you know, and because if we don't, and we just perform it here and there and, you know, beautify it and filter it and, you know, make it all part of, oh, sort of modern kind of landscape of lifestyle and oh it's tragic but just move on or be your best self that's really just disingenuous and really fundamentally very disrespectful to this aspect of the human condition and we deserve more and it's about a lot more and certainly in 20 freaking 22 can we not have more complicated conversations about this i think we can because a lot of people are on social media and the research world you know different kinds of you know mainstream like sort of you know journalistic platforms loads of people who care about this it's one of the most written about topics you know 
ever. And uh, but instead of just kind of repeating the same kind of narratives, which is been prob- which is problematic because if we kind of repeat the same narratives about ghosting and it's oh tragic and just get back out there, that becomes what people think reality should be, and that's not how we need to feel, right? That's why we need different voices that represent more of us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Ultimately, I want to put together some type of bigger bigger group where we all stop ghosting together. We talk about it like a, a conference, a a panel, something like that, an organization. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. You you could connect with the Kinsey Institute. They've got, I mean, lots of, you know, really prominent sexuality based uh, institutions. I mean, they're doing lots of digital stuff to have someone who comes in and you bring some, maybe some smaller workshops, you know, bring that, that expertise and like, Hey, this is what I can do with you. Let's do this together and build on their resources. That would be great. If anybody from the Kinsey Institute is listening, please email me. Uh, My email is copingwithghosting at (laughs) gmail.com. Yeah, great. Yeah. Well, these are all great suggestions. And I wonder what else would you like to share about ghosting in general? Um, Well, I think just sort of reiterating some of the things I've said in terms of Let's make it more out in the open. Let's talk about it. Uh, it'll bring, it'll reduce the shame and stigma that we feel. And it'll just, it'll bring it out of the shadows and talk about, you know, what is it connected to? Why is it the easier choice for certain people? Why is talking about where you're at? And why is saying no so difficult? It is so hard for women, for men, for everybody to tell someone no, you know, no, not right now, or no, I'm not interested. I mean, how many times have, I mean, for me, I've gone along with a date, gone along with someone just because it's easier. You feel like it's easier than saying, you know, I don't really want to do this. And that is really profound. And that's a really important thing that's connected with lots of things in our modern society, as well as sexuality, romance, and power. Mm -hmm. So to me, ghosting is connected with all of those things. And we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it really matters. Trina, thank you so much for all your words of wisdom. This has been great. Yeah, it it was lovely. Thank you. And listeners, be sure to remember when you are ghosted, you have more time to connect with yourself and people who have stellar communication skills. You deserve the best. And listeners, to connect with Trina, you can visit her Instagram at Trina Orchard, or you can visit her website, TrinaOrchard.com. And that's spelled T-R-E-E-N-A-O-R-C-H. A-R-D. And you're welcome to connect with me at Coping With Ghosting on Instagram. I also have a Facebook group, Coping With Ghosting, and my website, copingwithghosting.com, where you can learn all about my coaching services as well as my drop-in virtual support group for anybody who has been ghosted in any walk of life. I hope to connect with you soon. You're just a-